up, guys? My name is Summer Chafin. I'm Veronica Turner. And we're sitting here because we decided that we wanted to start a podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of crazy, but um, it's something that's kind of been on my heart for a long time, uh, and I feel like it's something that the Lord is, is calling me to, and, and what better than to be able to sit down and have biblical Christ-based conversations with, with one of your best friends. Yeah, I mean, I had been thinking about... Sh- like doing a podcast for a really long time before you asked me so like it was just kind of perfect because I never had the time and I was like oh like if I have somebody to do this with it yeah. takes some of the pressure off so I was like okay yeah so it grew on me yeah mm-hmm. it was I actually got the idea for the podcast actually almost exactly a year ago but I kept putting it off and putting it off because I was like I don't want to sit here and monologue <laughs> the entire time because I'm one of those people and you know this very well that if I start talking about something and I get really excited, <laughs> then I could be talking about it for hours. I think it's a lot better just to, you know, have somebody that I can sit yeah. and have a conversation with. Well, and meaningful conversation. I mean, it's always better when it's bouncing off someone else. And you and I can go on forever yeah, bouncing exactly. off of each other. So exactly. It's good. So we don't actually have a name for the podcast yet. <laughs> um, so that's something we're, we're thinking and praying on. But anyway, one of the things that's kind of been on my heart lately after some different conversations with with friends and family and just kind of what's happening in the world has been doubt um and what it looks like to to doubt the lord doubt in your faith um just doubt in general so veronica do you want to give us a little bit of background on just kind of how you came to faith and and what your your faith journey has looked like just a little bit it can be a short (laughs) you don't have to share my whole testimony you don't have to share the whole testimony but um you can give a short kind of snippet if you want to well i'm not gonna share my testimony fully because who knows the police might show up and give me a 500 hundred dollar ticket again (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) anywho um you know i didn't grow up in church i mean I would go to church with friends every once in a while, but it was never really a thing. Um, The people that I knew who were involved in the church weren't always the most accepting of our family because we weren't. Um, So it it made it a really hard time for me to kind of like understand because in my head, if if there was a God, he was a good God. So why would people who believed in him be so hurtful? Mm -hmm. So I just had this big thing where I was like, well, obviously he's not real or if he is, it doesn't really affect me because these people would be good if they were following a good God. So I obviously had some misconceptions there, (laughs) but I was young and I didn't know any better. And I also, we weren't going to church, so I didn't have any way to like correct that per se. Um, So it took a couple years and going through a lot um, and pretty much losing everything that I had or wanted to finally kind of look at my life and see that something was missing. And I got invited to church that weekend and then everything just kind of unfolded. So so in your faith journey, then would you say how much, because you've been a Christian for, for how long now? Uh, like a year and a half, probably. Okay, like a year and a half versus <laughs> versus me. Um, and my, my faith journey has been a little bit different. I did grow up in the church. I went to a private Christian school. My family was in church every Sunday growing up. Um, so I was brought up very much around Christianity, very much around um, the Bible and in you know, the midst of the Bible Belt, yeah. really. Um, and so I grew up always just kind of, for me, it was more checking off a box of, okay, like, yeah, God is real. That's great. I'm going to, yep, prayed this morning. Perfect. 
I don't have to think about it for the rest of the day. So when I was young, it was a lot more of just, okay, it's just a box to check. It's not necessarily something that is seeping into my everyday life. Um, and that honestly really started to change. I had a couple different moments in my life where I was kind of a switch was flipped and then it would go back to normal and then a switch was flipped and then it would kind of go back to that checkbox. But I'd say the biggest time where that switch was flipped and I like fully grasped what a relationship with Christ should be was during COVID um, and a lot of that. But all of that to say, because there was so much of like a flipped switch going back, flipped switch, there's there's a lot of doubt. And I think that, that doubt obviously is something that a lot of people deal with, whether it's, you know, coming to Christ and having doubt in okay, well, is this something that I actually want to take my life toward? Or, you know, people who've been walking in the faith for a long time that, you know, start to say, okay, well, is God even real? Um, So in your faith, um, when you were coming to faith, were there any questions that you had that you kind of were wrestling with prior to giving your life to Christ? Um. I don't know that I really had a ton of questions. I was pretty, like, set in my way. I just, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I didn't have a ton of questions. There were some things that I, you know, the obvious, like, if God is so good, then why do good bad things happen to good people? Like, things like that. That's a question that I could sit on for so long. I'm so passionate about that question. It took a long time for me to really like work through those things and kind of figure them out but mm-hmm. I also didn't have a ton of people I felt like I could go to so those doubts that I did have and the questions I had were more just like things that I kept to myself and like sought out mm-hmm. I guess like quote-unquote the answer I mean I don't know yeah. the answers I'm not God but yeah. um just kind of on my own so it wasn't anything that I really took huge note of it was just something that I dealt with as I went yeah so then on the topic of that question because that was actually one of the questions that I really wanted to talk about um, I have that on my list too. <laughs> Cause that's, you know, that's a question that I know I hear so often. It's one that people talk about all the time. They're like, okay, well, if God was so good, why would he let bad things happen to good people? Um, so if somebody were to ask you that question, how would you answer it? <laughs> There's so many different ways you could go with this. Cause, um, I mean, first and foremost, it comes down to who God is. Um, and what God actually promises, which I've written about this in a blog post, but like God doesn't promise that bad things won't happen at no point. Does it ever Mm -hmm. say that? All it really says is like, I'll use these bad things for good. Like I'll make them into something Mm -hmm. beautiful and God has that power. And then, I mean, it's like the simplest form of the gospel. Like the world used to be perfect. It used to be all good. And then Adam and Eve were deceived and there, there was a gap created and that's why Jesus came. He closed the gap by sacrificing himself on the cross for us and you know I mean the world's still not perfect but Mm -hmm. we get to live with Christ yeah so it's like you could argue that technically there are no good people because we're all imperfect people oh that's facts that's like the first (laughs) anytime somebody's asked me that question and I was actually in the car like before before Parker left um when he was here this week we were driving down the highway down 75 or getting on 635 or whatever. It doesn't matter where we were, but we were in the car and we were, and we started talking about this question because we were on our way to a a nature and science museum. And so we kind of started talking about atheists and, 
you know, and kind of what they believe and different questions that people come up with that are a hindrance in their faith. And this was one of them. And one of my first responses is always, well, the question folds in on itself because in order for bad things to happen to good people, there would have to be good people. Because it says in Ecclesiastes, and it also says um, somewhere in the Gospels, I wish I knew the exact reference, but I don't, um, that no one is righteous, not even one. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we see, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was actually watching a video. This was a while back, but there was a video that I distinctly remember. This guy was evangelizing, and he was kind of out on a pier asking people questions about, you know, what they thought of Christ, what they thought of, you know, Christianity and all that stuff. Um, And one of the questions that he asked was, do you feel like you're a good person? They're like, yeah, yeah, I feel like like I'm a pretty good person. I I do a pretty good job of, you know, being nice to people. I try to have good intentions. He was like, all right, well, have you ever cheated on a test? Yeah. All right, well, then you're a cheater. Have you ever lied to your parents? yeah, all right, then you're a lying cheater. And so he kind of goes on and on with that. And so Mm -hmm. at the end of the conversation, he ends up asking them, do you still think you're a good person? And by that point, he has like five things, like a lying, cheating, adultering, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of was like, oh, wait, like I'm, I'm not a good person. Like the Bible is true. Like no one is righteous, not even one. So that's like the first thing of that question that I'm like, kind of drives me nuts because I'm like but there are no good people so bad things can't happen to good people if there are no good people yeah which like and I guess it makes sense from their standpoint because like if you don't believe in the bible already then obviously like refuting the questions you have with biblical knowledge doesn't make sense you don't believe in the bible Mm -hmm. so like it makes things a little more complicated in that way but if we're going by the bible um, then yeah, n- nobody is technically good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the only are going to happen. the only good person is is Jesus, and he didn't sin. Yeah, but he was sent here to die for our sins. Yeah, and I mean you can be good intended and do everything you can to be a good person, but I mean we all have our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever going to be fully perfect. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that you said, um, you said that we're not promised that good things are going to happen. Um, and John sixteen thirty three says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Like, even mm-hmm. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Not yeah. not if you have trouble, but you will. Not being saved by me will save you from trouble. <laughs> yes, like, in this world you will have trouble. Your life is going to be hard. Like, mm-hmm. we see most of the people, or most of the disciples, if not all of the disciples, um ended up being martyred. So their life was made insurmountably better, but at the same time, insurmountably worse by the world's standards. Mm -hmm. And so it's another one of those things where you're like, well, then at that point, like, it's hard to have a kingdom mindset because everything can be going wrong on earth. But if you're saved by Christ, then your eternity is secure. Mm-hmm. And so that's where our sights need to be set on and not just this piece of, oh, my life sucks yeah. kind of thing, which is so hard to do. It's, it takes a lot of work and you have to be very intentional. <clears throat> like, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. But I don't, I don't know. It's definitely, you know, the side of heaven is going to look a lot mm-hmm. different. 
Yeah, for sure. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. One of the other things that I hear a lot is, how do we know that the Bible is real? How do we know that it's reliable? Um, Which is a hard question. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times, if I were to ask somebody that, they wouldn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. They At least years back before I, you know, am quite as secure as I am now, I would have been like, uh, I don't know how to answer that. So, in that sense, how would you answer that question? Okay, so here's the thing. I am reading the Bible for the very first time, and there's so much, like, I even have a hard time bringing, like, verses and biblical knowledge to conversations just because... At this point, it serves as confirmation bias, and I don't mm-hmm. want to take the Bible out of context. Yeah. So I have a hard time answer- answering biblical questions currently, just because it's like, I know what I know about the Bible, but mm-hmm. I'm really getting just that, like, base layer. Get through it. Yeah. Dive in later. Just try to, like, understand where I'm at with that. Yeah. So I'm going to give that question to you. Oh, goodness. We're, we're learning and we're growing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, it's such a hard question, but one of the things... Which I actually find really interesting because I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've heard a lot of people talking about this, is that the timing, especially the New Testament, the timing of when Jesus lived and died and when the Gospels and most of the New Testament was written mm-hmm. was within about 70 to 90 years of, of when these events actually happened. And so... In context to a lot of other historical documents, which uh, this is like a whole historical thing, which can get really boring for some people. But I find it so interesting Mm -hmm. because with a lot of other historical documents, you see that it was written a hundred years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, a thousand years after these events were actually happening. And so because of the close proximity to when the events actually happened and the amount of eyewitness accounts, Mm -hmm. there's a lot more reliability that goes with what is written in the Gospels than with a lot of other things. So, for example, in in the Gospels, you see them mentioning, hey, if you don't believe me, you can go ask these people. And so it'll name people that were there, that saw these things happening. And when, not necessarily when they're published, because it wasn't published because a lot of it was just letters and just written accounts that were being circulated but people could sit down and say oh wait you know that person I'm telling you that that person was there you can go ask them Mm -hmm. because they're still alive and so it was that mixed with the fact that it was written in close proximity and if it was wrong it wouldn't have been circulated as quickly or as much because people would have been able to say no, that didn't happen, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't happening. So that's one of the things, especially for me, that I can say, okay, like, I trust the reliability in that sense. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, people have also said, okay, well, what about however many translations there are? And actually, literally on the way here, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about, is the Bible authoritative? And one of the things that he said, it was becoming something, it's my favorite podcast with JP, he's awesome. Um, He was saying that there's over 400,000, we'll settle on the word inconsistencies. Okay. okay. But 99% of those inconsistencies are just due to punctuation 
or the way something was said. So mm-hmm. one of the examples that he gave was um, if somebody asks you, hey, I'm going to go to the store. Do you want to go? Mm-hmm. You can say that in another way. So another way to say, hey, I'm going to go to the store. Do you want to go is, do you want to go to the store with me? Mm-hmm. The meaning of that stays the exact same, yeah. but the way I've said it changes. And so that's essentially what the same thing is with a lot of different translations. Because you have word-for-word translations, mm-hmm. you have phrase-for-phrase translations, you have, you know, paraphrase translations. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much yeah. because the main message of the Bible stays the same yeah. no matter what the translation is. And yeah. so not once is in one translation saying, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He's the son of God who is fully God, fully man who who came to save you. And another one saying, yeah, none of that's true. Mm-hmm. And so the main theological points of the Bible stay the same, but sometimes the way it is said changes, mm-hmm. but the meaning stays the exact same. Yeah. Well, and that, this is, this is a little side point here, but that's one of the biggest things as a new Christian is the Bible is so intimidating. And I know that there's like this big thing to some Christians where it's like, you have to read the right version or else it's not, you know, close enough to what is actually trying to be said. Read whatever Bible you're going to read. If that Mm -hmm. means a children's Bible, because you just barely found out who Jesus was yesterday, read the children's Bible. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. Yeah. For sure. Get the word however you need to get the word. Exactly. And if that means listening to it, mm-hmm. because some people aren't a good reader, listen to it. There is no wrong way to read a Bible, mm-hmm. in a sense. I mean, read it backwards, it might be a little weird, but like, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. read the Bible. Read the Bible. Yep, exactly. So, some of the other questions that, because we also reached out, or I don't know if you did, you had a lot of questions that you had written down, but mm-hmm. um, I reached out to some of our friends and said, hey, we're going to be talking a little bit about doubt and what that looks like within Christianity. And one of the questions that I got was, what do you do when you're walking faithfully, but begin to doubt if God is real? See, I haven't had that problem because I'm so new to my faith. Yeah. That, like, it's just, there's some things I just haven't experienced yet. Yeah. And I mean, prayers up, I never do, <laughs> but like, and it's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me something. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, I mean, I've definitely been there. I think that it's easy sometimes to be sitting in a place of of doubt, especially when it is like the Lord is something that you can't see. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I begin to doubt if God is real, I kind of try to take a step back and I'm like, okay, Let's see what the Lord's done in my life. Let's mm-hmm. see the way that he's worked. Let's see, um, let's take a look at my friends. Oh my goodness. My friends are like one of the biggest ways that God shows himself to me literally every single day. Mm-hmm. Like I can look at you. I can look at um, my friend Olivia. I can look at, you know, Trinity and Emma and, you know, girls in my Bible study and our little, our, our whole little friend group. And I am just reminded every Shout single day. Shout out to day. The, come on church <laughs> Um, and I'm just reminded every single day of, of the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness because of my friends. Mm -hmm. And especially, and I, I mean, I've told you this before, like I'm so encouraged by the faith of my friends. So Mm -hmm. not only the way that he shows himself to me through them, but also the way I see them working out their faith. So for you, for an example, like not very long after I met you, like (laughs) I just, it was so interesting because 
about a year and a half ago when I first met you, when you were kind of first coming into FCA, yeah. you you were really quiet and like you came up to me, <laughs> and I was like, okay, who is this girl that's trying who, to who's talk this to me? Weirdo? <laughs> I was like, who is doing? Who is this little girl that's trying to talk to me? Like, I've I've never met her before. When I first meet people, I'm like super awkward sometimes. But then, you know, after after a couple conversations, I'm like, okay, we're good. Um, But just seeing the way from the way you were then and kind of how shy you were to the way you are now and how. Anytime somebody comes to FCA, you're like, oh my gosh, hi, I'm Veronica. Nice to meet you. We're so glad you're here. And just the way that you're constantly inviting people in. (laughs) (laughs) The way that you're just constantly inviting people in and like showing the love of Christ is like so evident to me that the Lord is real. And it's saying like, it's the same with so many of my other friends. Like I can take a step back and see the Lord's faithfulness because of the faith of other people. Yeah. Um, I think another way is just honestly praying about it mm-hmm. because when you pray through it and sometimes it can feel like you're talking to yourself and that's like always been one of my biggest struggles which is like something a whole nother podcast topic that we could talk about is prayer because yeah. it's there's just <laughs> so much there that we could talk about but one of the biggest things that I've always kind of struggled with is feeling like I'm just talking to myself mm-hmm. but I've found that in moments where I sit down I'm like god I'm struggling right now like I know that you, I know that you're here. I know that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. Kind of like you know mm-hmm. when when Jesus was praying, he was like, "Father, I know you hear me. You always hear me." But right now, I pray that you take this cup from me. I think is the context of what he's saying there. But just one of those things where you sit back and you're like, "Okay, he knows my heart. He knows where I'm at. He knows that I'm struggling." And the point of a lot of our faith is to step back and talk to him because he wants mm-hmm. us to come to him with those struggles. He wants us to come to him with with what we're dealing with, whether that be doubt, whether that be just any type of struggle. You mm-hmm. know, the Lord wants to hear us talk or wants us to talk to him yeah. no matter what we're going through. So that's another way. And then the last way that I'll say is just reading other accounts of people doubting in the Bible because it makes me feel, it encourages me because I know that I'm not the only person that's been there. Yeah. Um, and so one of one of the ways that I know that, you know, the the account of Thomas doubting and him mm-hmm. saying, unless I put my hands where the nails, unless I put my hands on his hands and feel the place where the nails were put, I'm not going to believe that he rose. And mm-hmm. then the Lord appears to him. Um, and then we have, you know, Peter walking on water. He was out there walking on water. He was fine. And then he took his eyes off Jesus. He doubted the Lord's goodness and he starts to sink but then Mm -hmm. the Lord gets up and pulls him out of there so it's just one of those things that even in the times when when those people are doubting which those guys were literally disciples they saw the Jesus Christ every single day Mm -hmm. for three years they were walking with him in ministry and they still doubted him Mm -hmm. but every single time the Lord came to them picked them up and was like hey I'm still good. And so a lot of time I just rest in the goodness of knowing that even people that we regard as like the greats of the faith still doubted. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a really important thing to understand too. Cause like, I know at least I tend to see the people of the Bible with like rose colored glasses. Oh yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. They're perfect. They were in the Bible. No, no. The only perfect person in the Bible was Jesus. Yep. Um, I think a big thing with that, like prayer life can go along with like the question of, why like if god has his hand on everything 
why would he give people free will? Like, why would Mm -hmm. he give people that choice? And it's like, God knows what you're going through. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows that you're doubting. uh, And he wants you to bring it to him. The thing is, is that God is a loving God. And like, if you don't want to go somewhere and your mom drags you there, it doesn't look very loving. Yeah. Like, he's not going to drag you by your ear to make you pray or to do something or to believe in him. He wants you to do that on your own. He wants to give you that choice because that's what loving looks like. Mm -hmm. And he's going to love you regardless. So it's like... Once you start to understand that, going to God with everything, including your doubts and the things that you should, quote unquote, just not feel, mm-hmm. um, it helps a lot. Yeah. Because, I mean, my doubts, they don't come in the form of, like, not believing in the realness of God. Like, I believe God's real. I've had enough happen that I'm like, yep, makes sense. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. This is how it is. But I, especially lately, like, have been working through believing in the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this weird thing in my head where, like, if I want something good to happen, I'm like, oh, well, God will do the opposite so I have, like, a story or I can, you know, praise him through the bad thing that I didn't want. No. <laughs> I have a bad habit of that, too, sometimes. That's so not you're reality. definitely not alone. Like, God's not just having bad things happen so that you can be like, oh, well, God brought me through it. Like, mm-hmm. yes, he wants you to do that when bad things happen, but, like, he's a good God. Like, he's... Like, the Bible says he will bless you, and he will love you, and he is good, and he is all these great things. Um, So I think just getting into scripture, like, if you are already a believer, getting into scripture and just, like, preparing yourself for that, like, good times and bad, looking Mm -hmm. for that reassurance when you're in a rough spot, but also having it on hand from when you were good and you were just faithfully following with no doubt or anything. Yeah. So one thing that I know that you do that we've talked about before is you have a gratitude journal. I do. So tell us <laughs> a little bit about that because I think that that's a great way. I mean, cuz I was saying earlier about taking a step back and when you're doubting to reflect on the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great way to do that. So what kind of got you into doing that? What is like what is your thought? Take, take us through your thought process of like why you wanted news, to do that. The bad news about this story is that I actually started doing it before I was saved because I had a boyfriend basically tell me I was too negative. Oh. And I was like, well, I guess I have to be more positive so he'll want to keep me. Spoiler alert, we broke up. <laughs> like soon after I started. So like the gratitude journal, the goal was originally to do it for 30 days in a row. We broke up at like day 15. Oh no. <laughs> and and then there's like this break in my journal and I could go get the journal and we could just read them. There's like a gap and it's literally like, we broke up, I missed a couple days, but I went back to the gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. So like, it was this mixture of being so desperate to find joy in something because I lacked gratitude so much. Like my dad tried to get me to have a gratitude journal my whole life mm-hmm. and I was just like, uh, no. And then when I started doing it, the goal was to write 10 things every day for 30 days and I like could not do it. It was such a challenge for me. So I started, you know, thinking throughout the day about things that I was like, oh, I'm grateful for this. Like, let me let me store this in my, my front pocket mm-hmm. and take this home with me so that I can write it down later because I can't get to 10 things. Um, which kind of just put me in a mindset of looking for things to be grateful for throughout right. the day. So, like, jokes on me, it worked. <laughs> um, but then once I finally hit 30 days with gaps and stuff, um, it was a pretty big deal. I kept doing it yeah. after that. I mean, I don't make a huge deal of it now to put pressure on me, but... You can definitely see, like, my journal transitioned from me just writing in it and, like, gratitude journaling to when I got saved, the pages basically lit up. Mm -hmm. Like, I think on day 99, I wrote 11 things just Mm -hmm. because I could. Yeah. 
And it was, like, a huge deal because, I mean, I couldn't even write, like, five without getting stuck right. beforehand. And then, you know, I have this coming to Jesus moment. I'm saved. The pages light up. I mean, they're filled with prayer. They're filled with, like, you know, today I'm grateful that God did this. And today I'm grateful that I got baptized. Today I'm mm-hmm. grateful that you know, this prayer was answered. And there were so many things like that. I mean, given there was also, like, I'm grateful for coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, thank Jesus <laughs> that I have caffeine today or else I would yeah. die. But, like, it just changed in that way. And you can see the joy on the pages start to look different because it was fake before. It was, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. So it was a really big deal to, like, be able to write 11 things. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that was, you know, being saved and knowing Jesus and, like, having that goodness in my heart. Mm-hmm. So then going back now, it's like, I'll be having a bad day and I'm like, oh. I need to write in my gratitude journal because there's got to be something good going on. Yeah. Like, I got to have something yeah. to look It's to. a perspective change. It yeah. kind of takes your perspective off of... And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that comes with when you're facing not only doubt, but a lot of just hard trials in your life mm-hmm. is changing your perspective from, oh, woe is me, or is God really good, to, okay, I know that he is good. Mm-hmm. I know that he is God. So how can I change my perspective to not sit here and think that I'm not going to make this out, that the Mm -hmm. Lord's not going to come and rescue me from this moment, but to, hey, I know that God is working all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just more of a perspective change, which sometimes like that doesn't necessarily always help with when you're going through seasons of doubt. But that's another thing is a lot Mm -hmm. of times it's just a season yeah. of doubt it's it's a way that the evil one has been mm-hmm. able to pinpoint hey this is somewhere where i can meddle in the life of mm-hmm. of you know god's child and that's that's all that the evil one is trying to do is he's just trying to find little holes in the armor mm-hmm. to penetrate well and that's one of the things that i've been thinking about a lot a lot lately is that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot a lot lately is more like who is this thought serving? Because mm-hmm. if it's myself or negativity, you right. know, evil, whatever you want to call it, then it's it's not serving Christ, and it's that's not the goal. Mm-hmm. So that's been helpful to think of. You know, <laughs> should I serve God or should I serve evil? Right, and that's <laughs> which is interesting too because. In, in the Gospels, it talks about that as well, but mm-hmm. it, it talks about it in the terms of no one can serve both God and money. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it says no one can have two masters, no one can serve both God and money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that can also go along with really anything. You know, you can't have two masters. I was reading the other day, I'm going through Proverbs right now, and I've been in problems... Proverbs. There you go. I've been in problems. (laughs) I've been in Proverbs 3 for for a couple weeks now, but in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make Mm -hmm. your path straight. And so I kind of camp, like, that's one of the verses that I've been told from my youth of like, yes, like, just trust in the Lord. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Not on your own understanding. I'm like, okay, but what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, what does that mean to trust in God? And so I I was reading a commentary. I was like, what? Because what it talked about was to trust in God means to trust in him fully and completely. Mm -hmm. It's not to trust God and something else. Because in trusting God and something else, you're not really trusting in God. Mm -hmm. And so it was just one of those moments where I was like, holy cow, 
this isn't just about, you know, me saying, oh, yeah, I trust in God on on these days. But then when I'm struggling, it turns into, okay, I also have to trust in myself. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Bible calls me to. The Bible calls me to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. Mm -hmm. So uh, the days where I'm trying to trust in myself and trust in God, what's really happening is I'm trusting in myself and then saying, hey, God, you want to come with me instead of, hey, God, I'm trusting in you and I'm following along in what you have for me. Yeah. Okay, I have two thoughts. Okay. Because for one, um, we talk about this a lot in Bible study, but, like, each thought that you have, like, it, it's pretty black and white. It's either mm-hmm. good or bad. Like, yeah, essentially. There's some gray area, but not much. Um, when you get a package, do you mm-hmm. check who it's from? Do I check who it's from? Yeah. <laughs> not usually. Like, if you don't expect a package to be coming and you get a package... I personally, usually I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. If I don't expect it to be coming, then I'm like, huh, I wonder what this is. Yeah. I wonder who's it it from. Is it from Amazon? Yeah. You usually check who it's from before you open it or to make sure that it's for you. Right. Right. Before you open it. Uh So like if you're having a thought and it's like, okay, who is this coming from? And is this thought for me? Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you decide like, oh yeah, like this thought's for me. And you open it, and it's not something you like. What do you do with the package? You toss it. There you go. <laughs> like, I think we overthink our thoughts so much, which mm-hmm. is so funny because thinking and thoughts, and it's just all so messed yeah. up. Yeah. But then the second thought, you're saying Proverbs three five through six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest part of being able to receive God is letting go of what you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Like you can't receive God with closed hands. Yeah. So like. The first time we went repelling, or I went repelling with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the way that repelling works is, like, if you have the rope behind your back, you're not going to move. Like, that stops mm-hmm. you. And if you hold it too tight, <laughs> your hand kind of goes behind your back. Like, you mm-hmm. can't really help it. Um, so the first time I went, I, like, am trying to start going backwards, and I'm not budging. Like, I could not move. I was literally full body weight. There's a video of it, like, thrusting backwards, <laughs> like, throwing myself. And I am not moving. Yeah. And as soon as they were like, well, pull your hand out, like, open your hand, just hold it with your thumb a little bit, I was able to move a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I could finally scoot back a little bit, and inch by inch, I was, like, able to kind of loosen my grip a little bit and, like, start to move. So I think, you know, metaphorically, like, if you're, if the rope is God, and, like, that's what I am holding on to, I have to let go and trust in that rope, or else I'm not going to move. Mm -hmm. So if I'm trusting in my own, like, self to hold myself up, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I couldn't budge. So you kind of have to... To trust God, you have to let go. Yeah. And if you're trying to hold on to your own things, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I... I mean, I can say that I've found the more that I've tried to trust in myself are the times when I've doubted God more. Mm-hmm. Because just... I mean, just like you were saying... you need him the most. Yeah, and that's when you need him the most. When I was in high school, um, we had a we had this thing called wilderness retreat. And so when you were in eighth grade, your entire grade went to Arkansas for the wilderness retreat. But on the back of all the shirts, and it's been on the back of the shirts for years. It's it's had to have been on the back of the shirts for the last at least 15 years. Mm-hmm. But on the back, it says faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. If if it's two sides of the same coin, if, if doubt is on one side, faith is on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, I mean, just like what we were talking about, like, you can't have faith in God and simultaneously doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's also something to be said for, you know, 
all God really needs is the faith of a mustard seed Mm -hmm. to use. Yeah. So, like, your faith may be little, but it's not going to coexist with this belief. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, what's a time, would you say, you can, if, if you haven't had a moment like this, you can, you can tell me, but what's a time that you have seen yourself kind of saying, okay, Lord, this is really hard for me to let go. This is really hard for me well, to let go. it's happening right now. But, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to you and yeah. see and see where you are going to take it. So what's the time basically when you have had to have the faith of a mustard seed or have a little bit of faith when you've really wanted to doubt what the Lord can do? I mean, let me just preface by work in progress. Mm-hmm. Like this is not like one thing or the other. Like you it's been a process for me. It wasn't, it's not just like, oh, I don't believe this moment. And then the next I'm like all faith. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's just not how it works. But, um, relationships, Mm -hmm. that's like the weirdest thing for me is trying to relinquish control for those. Cause like I'm a flirt. I talk to everybody (laughs) all the time. I like, and I don't even try to be half the time. It's just one of those things. So like, there's plenty of guys that I could date, Um, but, like, really trying to find someone to marry who's interested and, like, all those things align, values and whatnot, it's not, like, the easiest process, especially when you're coming from the background that I am where it's, like, you know, (laughs) hookups and just doing whatever you wanted because it didn't matter. I didn't Mm -hmm. believe in God. Like, this, this whole moral idea just wasn't a reality to me. Purity wasn't something that was important it's hard to kind of like switch over and try to figure that out and navigate it. So trying to do it all on my own was like, yeah, obviously I can't give this to God. Like I already screwed it up. So like I got to fix it and that's just not the case. So trying to like relinquish that and just be like, yeah, I'm going to be single until like God works in this way. Mm -hmm. And that could be next month, next week, or it could be 10 years from now, maybe never. And I just have to be okay with the fact that like God's enough. Yep. And, like, I don't need somebody else and other than God and that it's going to be up to him regardless of what I do. But in my head, I'm like, well, if I just flirt with this guy, <laughs> it'll yeah. all work out. And it'll I'm like, no, fine. no, that's, that's not. not how it works. <laughs> no, that could be an entire, I mean, it will be eventually. I know that we were kind of talking about it. The oh, yeah. That and could be an entire different episode. An entire different well, we, episode. We really got into that real quick. Because <laughs> that is... I mean, yeah. that's just a reality for oh, yeah. well, you know, especially young adults age. and just college students and all yeah. that kind of thing. Well, and it, it's because it's such a highly desired thing for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you want nothing more than to be seen, heard, known, and valued. Mm-hmm. But the only person who's gonna fulfill all those things is Jesus. Yep. So, coming, understanding that and coming to terms with it, I mean... And it's a work in progress for all of us. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about faith is, yeah, it it like it's always growing. Yeah, you're always there's not a finish line growing for faith. in your faith. Yes, you're always growing in your faith. So we talked a little bit about doubting if God's real. What what that feels like, kind of what that is. How do we know God is real? If God is real, why do bad things happen to good people? So then we, we talked a little bit about you know. On the flip side is faith and trusting in God. So mm-hmm. with that, I think that it's easy to use, you know, what some people call Christianese language mm-hmm. when we're talking about trust. So for you being, you know, newer to the faith and 
having spent a lot of time kind of outside of that realm, mm-hmm. when you were coming to faith and learning how to trust in God, what did that look like for you? I don't even know if I know how to answer that. Um, or what does it look like now? What is What does it look like for you now to trust in God? What does that mean to you? <laughs> Deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just like continuously seeking that because mm-hmm. like we said it's it's a constant work in progress it's constant growth there's always somewhere you can be better in f- terms of that so it's it just gives a lot of peace to be able to give things up because like like I said there was so much that I went through and so many things that I did that like just didn't align with how a Christian life is lived mm-hmm. um and then when I kind of transitioned into that like things slowly changed I started changing the way I lived and what I was doing and you know things like that so it's just I for me it kind of came naturally just with the whole process of changing to a biblical Mm -hmm. more biblical lifestyle um and just like seeing those sorts of things flourish like my relationships look so much better Mm -hmm. since then um like my friendships like my Christian friendships that was one of my biggest things um I've seen how my friendships changed and how, like, the people I interacted with changed um, in that process. So it motivated me to live a more, like, biblical way in terms of dating. Because it was like, why wouldn't I want to bring that into my other relationships? Yeah. So a big part of that trust was, like, I trusted you with this little thing over here with my friends. You know, I went and made or found a community, I guess. I was gifted a community graciously from God that Mm -hmm. is Christian and great. So I'm going to trust you with this piece, like kind of just giving up piece by piece and looking like, oh, well, you know, God does it the same way for us. You know, give you a little, see how you handle it, give you a little yeah. more. Um, so I, I think it goes both ways. I think for me, for me, it's a little bit different because I'd say for me, it definitely did not come naturally mm-hmm. because I mean, like I said, I've, I've been a Christian for most of my life, but with that, it's been a lot of okay, I'm going to take this down my own path. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... I mean, I have control do... issues. I do the same thing, <laughs> but... Yeah, just of me being very independent, saying, oh, I don't need other people's help, mm-hmm. which when I'm starting to depend on myself, I'm essentially saying, God, I don't need your help mm-hmm. either. So I think that for me, trust has to be an active decision every single day. And yeah. you can see, and that's what's so funny is you can see the times in my life where I've really trusted in the Lord mm-hmm. and when I haven't based purely off of my interactions with other people and just what I say, what I do, like you can tell when I'm in the Word and when I'm not, yeah. when I'm trusting in myself, when I'm trusting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because there is a stark difference between some are with Christ and some are without Christ. Yeah. And it is not pretty. I think that's where, obviously I wish that I had found Jesus earlier. Just, you know, purely knowing what I know now about who I am and the way I act. But like, I think that's the greatest gift I have in finding my faith later in life. Mm-hmm. Because I saw who I was before and I know who I am now mm-hmm. in Christ. And that difference is so distinct that it's almost hard not for me to trust. Yeah. And I mm, I still doubt. Yeah. Trust and doubt are like... I feel like they're slightly different. Like, they don't go as hand-in-hand. Hand, yeah. But um, if I doubted you to pick me up, I can still trust that you're going to pick me up. I don't know if right. that makes any sense. It kind of does. But, I don't know, it's just one of those things where it's like, because it is so recent for me and I know that stark difference, like, right there, mm-hmm. there wasn't, like, a disbelief that had to happen for it. 
after the fact. Yeah. Or, like, early in life, it mm-hmm. just was that way. It makes it a little easier for me to yeah. just be like, well, I was that person and now I'm this person. How can I deny that? Yeah. How can I deny the change that's happened? Yeah. And that's where I feel like it's actually really interesting um, with how and when different people come to faith. Because, like you were just saying, like, you can see the the stark difference between the way you were before Christ Mm -hmm. and the way you are now. But for me, I put my faith in Christ when I was like seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. So now I like, now I'm 22. So that's been what, let's see, 22 (laughs) minus. You're a math major. I know. I can't, I can't do mental math. That's 14 (laughs) years. Right. Yeah. And so, but for most of my life, it was just like, Oh yep, Just check the box. Like, Mm -hmm. yep. I'm a Christian, you know, but not, Because, like, the last time I was not a professing Christian was when I was, like, six years old. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't don't really remember much from when I was six years old. But that's one of those points where I was talking about just now of seeing what I was, what I'm like when I am constantly in the word versus when I'm not constantly Mm -hmm. in the word. And the times when I doubt the Lord most are the times when I'm not in the word, Mm -hmm. when I'm trusting in myself. Because then I'm like, okay, well, God, like, why aren't you showing up? And then he'll kind of hit me on the head and be like, well, Summer, it's because you're not (laughs) abiding in me. You're not trusting me. You're not relinquishing that control to me. You're doubting that I'm real because you're not allowing me to show up in your life the way I have planned. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy, too, to put God in a box and say, hey, Lord, this is the way that I think that you're going to work. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't work in this way, then I don't think that you're working. Yeah. Which I, is, I think one of the biggest doubts that I have is like when I don't see the Lord working in the way that I want him to be working, mm-hmm. that then I doubt his goodness and I doubt that he's real. But in reality, that's not what's happening. Like mm-hmm. in reality, the Lord is wanting to work in my life and I have to relinquish that control of saying this is how you're going to work and step back and say, okay, I'm not God. God, you work in my life mm-hmm. the way that you want to work, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do that. Um, one of my favorite verses is in First Kings 19. Um, anyway, so Elijah, who is a prophet, is in the wilderness, and it says... Um, It says in verse 7, an angel of the Lord, it says in verse, we'll start with with verse 9. It says, and the word of God, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And what I love about that passage is just that there's a lot of ways that we could expect the Lord to work. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of ways that we could expect that the Lord's just going to make it so incredibly obvious of that's how he's going to be working. But a lot of Mm -hmm. times it is just him speaking in a whisper and saying, Hey, Mm -hmm. I want you to go this way or Hey, go and pray for that person. 
or, hey, I don't want you to do that. As opposed to the Lord's, you know, when you pray and you're like, Lord, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe he already has, but you are expecting for this, like a billboard to say Mm -hmm. exactly what you're praying for. But that's not always the way that the Lord works. You have to kind of step back because sometimes the Lord will work through other people too. You can be Mm -hmm. praying, Lord, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. But you've literally just had a conversation with one of your friends and they've kind of directed you in a particular way. And you're like, no, that's not the answer that I want to hear. Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign. But he's already given you a sign. You're Mm -hmm. just choosing not to trust it because he's not working in the way that you want. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, that's I mean, that's a really long way of saying that I think one of the biggest ways that I struggle with doubt is doubting the Lord is real because he's not working in the way that I want him Mm -hmm. to work, which is so backwards. Yeah. I've just found that the biggest way for me to refute doubt in myself is knowing who God is, which Mm -hmm. is mostly just getting into scripture. Um, So that's been my biggest thing. Yeah. Um, Especially since I haven't had to deal with a ton other than like doubting some goodness here and there. I mean, at the beginning of this school year, I had a lot going on and I was like having a hard time balancing it. And then which one kind of forced me to make time to spend, like, make time to spend with the Lord, and I became a lot more intentional with it, which has been really good. Like, it gave me that strength, so I kind of have that going for me, and the Mm -hmm. fact of, like, so recently I was, you know, low point, looked in scripture, God gave me strength. Like, point in case, there it is. So that helps a lot, but my biggest prayer this entire year, it's, like, sticky notes everywhere at my Mm -hmm. house and my apartment back home, um, is... Oh, goodness. I may not see your faithful hand, but I trust in the goodness of your heart. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So it was like... Oh, that's good. I like that. It, yeah. And like any time that I would like doubt, like, well, I just don't see you working right now, God. Like, I just don't understand. None of this makes sense yet. Just because I don't see your faithful hand yet mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to doubt in the goodness of who you are. Yeah. There's a song, part of either the, the chorus of the bridge is... Even when I don't see it, you're working. Mm-hmm. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Yeah. You never stop. You never stop working. Um, yeah. And then there's another line of, like, even in the waiting, mm-hmm. he's still working. Um, and so that's, you know, of course, a huge encouragement because, like, he is still working. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, which mm-hmm. has been a prayer that I've prayed many times. Lord, I don't see you working. Lord, I don't feel you working. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Like, he is still working. Yeah. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, he's working, yeah. you know? And, like, that style of prayer, of just, like, having a prayer, like, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And just knowing, like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. This is how I want to see God in this. So this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to know about him. As opposed to just letting yourself drown in that, like, oh, goodness. Like, yeah. I don't... I don't understand. We're not going to understand. And I mean, there's so much in life that's like, you don't have to see it to believe it. Yeah. So that's been helpful. (laughs) Yeah. So then closing out, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's currently doubting either the goodness of God or just God in general? I've said it a couple times now. Read your Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Read your Bible. I mean, you can look for encouragement in friends. Yep. You can look for your signs in friends. You can look for your billboard. You can do whatever. And, like, God will show himself in those ways. But there is literally a book mm-hmm. that will tell you all you need to know and all you need to feel and just everything. Just read it. Yeah. I mean, it can be intimidating. You just have to start. Read your children's Bible. I don't care. Yeah. But that's I, that's my advice. Yeah. 
just start. Yep. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> Read the Bible. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, Martin Luther King says whether, you know, you're if you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but never stop moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great thing in your faith, too. If you can't run in your faith, then walk in your faith. If you can't walk in your faith, then crawl in your faith. Mm-hmm. But no matter what you do, don't stop trusting in the Lord. Yeah. Don't stop growing yeah. in your faith. Well, and I mean, it's totally true because, like, sometimes reading the Bible for me isn't reading, Yeah, you know, it feels like a an chore entire sometimes. book. It's yeah. not. It's, if I am feeling unmotivated to read the Word, but I know that I will doubt or I will start opening packages that mm-hmm. aren't meant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, well, I can read a verse. Yeah. I can read a sentence. Mm-hmm. And, like, y- you can do that. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> I think my biggest advice would be to surround yourself with godly community. Mm-hmm. Because when you surround yourself with that community mm-hmm. and they know what you're walking through, they know you know, where you're struggling. They know, like, they know your sin struggles. They know where you're struggling in your faith, like how and when you struggle to trust the Lord. They know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the victories of when you're, you know, trusting in the Lord really, really well, when you're walking with the Lord, when your faith is really strong, when your faith mm-hmm. is really weak, when they know what's going on in your life, they are able to walk alongside you in those seasons of doubt. Mm-hmm. And so it turns into, because a lot of times the evil one likes to convince you that you're walking through it alone. But yeah. when you have godly community that knows you so well, it is a way that they can walk alongside you because they'll remind you that you're not walking through it alone. Yeah. And a lot of times, and this happens when people, you know, share sin struggles and confess sin to one another too, is it turns into a, instead of, oh, I'm walking through this alone to, wait, you struggle with that too. Yeah. I do too. You're not alone in that because one of the biggest lies that the enemy will tell you is that you're walking through it alone. Yeah. But that is just not true. Yeah. And that's why I'd say that along with reading the Bible, godly community is so important oh, yeah. because they'll remind you that you're not walking through this life alone. Mm-hmm. You're not walking through faith alone because the Christian life was not something that was meant to be lived alone yeah and I totally agree with that because like especially as a college student having our community in you know our college town yeah makes it really difficult sometimes over breaks to like for sure like obviously I still go to church over breaks but like not having that community or going to bible studies or having these conversations that we would have after worship night or after church or after bible study or after fellowship of Christian yeah whatever it was like those conversations are so important And if you don't have people that you are comfortable having those conversations with, you need to find them because it makes such a big difference. And I can tell you that because this time last year, I didn't have those people. Yeah. Read your Bible. Yep. Be in community. Mm -hmm. Prayer is super important. Yeah. What were some of the other things we touched on? Other than, I feel like those are kind of the I think those are the the three. I mean, community will remind you where to go, and reading the word will equip you for what to do, so...